0: Welcome to More Details, Please, with your hosts, Emmanuel and Angela Williams, where we dive deeper into conversations with visionary entrepreneurs to discover what it takes to turn passion into purpose, listen to real-world stories from self-starters and trailblazers, and discover strategies and innovations shaping a greener future. Whether you are a seasoned business person or just starting out, let this be your go-to resource for inspiration and actionable tips for success. Join us now as we create a brighter, greener future together.
1: Welcome to More Details, Please, broadcasting live in the Phoenix Business Radio X Studio in Tempe, Arizona, where we help entrepreneurs turn their passion into purpose we're your hosts Angela
2: and Emmanuel Williams
1: and today we're in the studio with Chef Laura Briscoe we are so excited to have her here I want to tell her I want to tell you all about her company etc but I want to definitely let Emmanuel jump in because I'm sure he has something to share Emmanuel,
2: I do, I do want to jump in right quick well first of all I want to thank you for your time and your presence here and your beauty being on our show. You know, this show is about entrepreneurs turning their passion into purpose. And your passion is something that you really enjoy, something that you you desire, something that you you do really well. And your purpose is to do good with it. And your ability to take whatever it is that you do, your passion, and make it greater good, serve it for a greater good to help other people, that's what this show is really all about. Entrepreneurs turning their passion into purpose.
3: Well, I'm delighted to be here, so thanks for asking me. Thank you.
1: All right, so today's show's topic is Prioritizing Persistence and Perfection. Prioritizing Persistence and Perfection. So a bit about our guest today. Chef Laura is the owner of Laura's Gourmet. It is a collection of companies, and granola is a part of it. Laura's Gourmet Granola is a nationally recognized brand of specialty granola and it was created professionally by Chef Laura. So we're gonna hear all about that, but more so than anything, we're gonna hear about how Laura got started. So Laura, that's where we're gonna start in our conversation. Tell us a little bit about Laura. Who are you, where are you from? Tell us about it. Okay. More details, please. More
3: details. So (laughs) yes, please don't fall asleep. So, So I am originally from the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey, had my formative years there, went to school in Philadelphia. I went to University of Pennsylvania, where I promptly graduated with a major in political science and a minor in French, which has absolutely nothing to do with anything I've done. Um, And I went into technology sales right after that. So did that for about 14 years and 15, actually, I burned out and I had an epiphany in a movie theater a foodie movie, and found myself going to culinary school. It was a life changer for me. 100% life changer. I have never been so excited to be in a classroom in my life. I couldn't wait till Monday to roll around. And I'm not a Monday person, but I became one. And I was miserable when it was Friday because that meant there was no school over the weekend. There was not a day I didn't love. I was, and not to use culinary tools as a metaphor, but I was a sponge, a, 100% of a sponge. And I have taken the pearls of wisdom from my chef instructors and everything, not just into my culinary career, but into my life career, too, if you will. It's been quite a ride. and we'll, We can obviously get more into that. But uh, in conjunction with all this, you know, I have an amazing family. I have two grown daughters, one who lives in Chattanooga. We were talking about that earlier, and it was uh, that was pretty a fun conversation. She's been there since 19. And I have a daughter who lives in L.A., an amazing husband here uh, in town with me, <laughs> opposed to one elsewhere, I guess. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so it's been, uh, you know, the, the, last, uh, the last, wow, 22 years have been me working for me, you know, and also working for the consumer, working for my team, working for a brand that I created. And it's been a very insightful ride, I guess, for lack of a better term.
1: And, you know, by no way is it boring. Getting burnt out of a position, I I would say, is definitely something that most of our listeners can relate to, and even entrepreneurs. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I've had days of being burnt out. So you do not have a boring story, and I just can't wait to dig deeper. We're definitely going to get more details. I do want to let everybody know that, Laura, this is not her first rodeo. She received the Tempe Chamber of Commerce Small Business Award in 2002. So congratulations, Laura. Thank you. That is very exciting and what an honor. So let's get into this a little further. So finding your first retailer to sell your granola to almost 20 years ago, was it an easy yes or did it take time to find the alignment with your brand? So finding that person who would stock your brand that had similar alignment.
3: So... That, that's, a, that's an interesting story in and of itself. I finished school in 2002 and I started Celebrated Cuisine, my first business in 2003. So, Celebrated Cuisine, we did private fine dining, we did culinary instruction and um, elegant events. So, that was, that was the premise. It was on the card from the beginning. I set the intention on the card and then it became exactly that. In 2003, I was playing with the recipe for granola, which I was making for my own enjoyment. And I made it once. I'm like, well, that tasted good, but I would never make that again because it included ingredients that just don't agree with my body. So I kept playing with the recipe. And when you bake, I don't know if you bake, but when you bake, you always have more than you want. And so you share it with people. And so I would go to my daughter's soccer games or I'd go wherever and I into work and I would give samples of granola. And then people started asking for it. And my best friend suggested that I should think about selling it. Well, I am Chef Laura. I am not granola anything. My ego for that was just not going to happen. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll figure that out. I will go after AJ's Fine Foods, which is our specialty retailer here in Arizona. And so I had a friend at the time who I bought all my cheese and whatnot for for my, um, my my private fine dining business. And he said, well, if you're going to go after AJ's, here's what you need to do. And he gave me kind of some pointers. So I did everything he told me to. I went to every store. I met with every grocery lead. I gave them samples. I will tell you that while the product might taste really good, the packaging at the time, it was the ugly baby that you don't really No, that's ugly until later when you look at photos of it and you're like, oh, I'm I'm really glad she grew into a swan, you know, whatever. So, of course, my real babies were beautiful. But anyway, so I did everything I was supposed to, but I couldn't get any traction. I was sending, you know, emails into corporate letters, actual letters with samples, nothing. And then one day I ran into the owner of the entire company outside a store that they were going to turn into an AJ's and I cornered him. It was one of those moments where you don't even second guess yourself because you're just in motion. And I have this amazing talent of being completely freaked out on the inside, but you can't tell on the outside. Okay, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like my knees, if I didn't stop wa- if I did stop walking, you would see my knees knocking, right? But if I'm in motion, I'm fine. And so I just walked right up to him and I told him who I was and what I did and what I was trying to do with AJ's, and he was very responsive and he used a phrase that I had never heard before, and you only hear anymore, which is we really support local. Like, I have chills just thinking about that moment. And so he made a promise that he would share my information with the powers that be to make this decision. Ten days later, I got a phone call from AJ's, from their buyer, who is still my buyer today, to let me know that they would give us a shot. And it wouldn't be on every, uh, on every store shelf, but it would be on the ones that would accept it. So next week, that marks 19 years that we've been on their shelf. And wow. we've grown from one, one product, one flavor to nine. And they have brought in every single one. They're the only retailer that carries everything we make, which is a very dicey proposition in the retail world. You don't want that. You know, We've experienced that out of state where it's, you, there's all these rules now. Like these rules didn't exist to me back in 2000. And three, right? You just, and, and four, you, you could easily call a buyer and they would answer the phone at least. You could send samples in, but now there's a whole network and it's very, I've learned so much. It's very, it's very challenging. It's very discouraging a lot of the time. But anyway, so we eventually, because of how they structured their stores and the, motion, the movement of managers, we ended up being in every single store. We've ridden storms with them when they had some financial issues. You know, they've ridden storms with me and they're truly a partner. And it's hard to say that in today's world with retail because there's so much insulation between the maker and the actual retailer. So where you see the relationship start to grow then is between the maker and the consumer in any way that you can. But anyway, that's how we ended up on our first shelf. It wasn't by today's guidebook at all, but it was the way I love selling, which is and this is what I did in tech, I always sold, you create a relationship and then you build that relationship. And my joy now is when I hear another maker wanting to get into AJ's and I mention, oh, well, you know, I'm friends with the buyer. You know, I'm actually really good friends with another one of their executives. And they look at me like I can do something about it. And I'm like, I can't help you with it. I mean, I can suggest if your product's good, I'll let them know. But it's really weird because I get very jealous when I see people having a relationship with the buyer that I want to get to know. And to that point, when I was in tech, I would give my eye teeth to get in front of the CIO or the CTO or the, you know, the senior executive of the company so I could sell my products. And then as a chef, I would have those same exact people as my clients, whether for an event or for a cooking class. And I got to tell them what to do. It was such a beautiful karmic circle. <laughs> so that was just an aside. Anyway, so that's, that's how AJ started. And once I was on the shelf at AJ's, I didn't, t- I didn't try for another retailer because the ego. I was Chef Laura. I did private fine dining. I taught you know, culinary classes, et cetera. But it didn't stop retailers from finding us. And so the next retailer we actually landed was Whole Foods in the Southwest. And that was just by connection more than anything else. But again, local program. They love the fact that we were made in Arizona. And so we joined the Whole Foods, I think that was in 2006. So we've been doing that regionally only. I guess the the lesson was I can't say it just kind of happened. Okay. When things did happen, you have to be paying attention so that when they do happen, you can take action, right? But I was not actively promoting to grow the brand because I was growing my private event business. So I was literally learning as I went and it was probably to my benefit because I didn't just sink a whole lot of money into a possibility that I didn't have proof of concept for necessarily. So by being able to do a slow launch, which is really what it came back to, although I never would have termed it like that back then, it enabled the business to fund the business, which is exactly the same place I am in today where we are still bootstrapped, which does have its limitations, by the way.
2: You know, I want to go back to your childhood and (laughs) I want to talk in terms of the joy that you find in helping people to feel good about eating so that they can find their joy in what it is that you're doing. Is there a time in your childhood that you can remember that you was a part of a baking class or you was a part of a uh, a group where you guys went and served cookies or donuts that you found that joy back then and, and, and align it with how you connect as an adult now?
3: Interesting. So I remember taking Baking classes in middle school, in junior high school. But I also remember doing the baking badge in brownies and Girl Scouts. Mm. That was a good time. And then, uh, but for me, food has always been what brings people together, right? And there's so much around cooking for me that... I never thought I was a talented cook. I thought I was good. You know, I, I, I could read a recipe and follow the recipe and, and make something. But I didn't ever position myself as, oh, I'm that person. And when I went to culinary school, it was not to own a restaurant or to be the chef of something. It was to own a restaurant and be the business side of it. Mm-hmm. That disappeared within the first week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. So what I remember is when I was allowed to bake, I wasn't allowed to bake very much in my house. Um, my mom liked things very clean all the time and didn't want to clean up after, you know, my mess, if you will. Uh, but I remember having the chance. I would I, I remember playing with recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. And I remember choosing to use only brown sugar and not white sugar because I liked the I didn't know it at the time, but I liked the texture and the undertones of the flavor. But I never would have I never I have never even thought about it until right now, like where I was with that. and. I remember sharing those cookies and my dad always loved the cookies that I baked. My dad loves baking or loved, he's passed away, but he owned a King Arthur baking book. He made his own bread. He'd make muffins, you know, he made his own bagels. And so as you know, when I was getting a little older, because I was probably in college by the time he started doing all this, it was a thing for us to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we made focaccia together. It's the concept of food, bringing people together right? You get a common ground, you're around a table. It's a conversation. I mean, think about how much you talk about food every day. Mm-hmm. You know my, my husband's family is from the Midwest, and at breakfast they're talking about lunch, and at lunch they're talking about dinner. So I'm not sure I'm answering your question.: well, well,
2: But yeah, I, I love that. So take me to that moment when you had that "Aha" years later, and you had that "Aha" moment in the theater, and you said that it was like a liberation. It was like a freedom that you was able to connect to. And the way that I kind of see it is that your whole life has been in alliance to finding that space so that you can feel the joy of what you really want to do.
3: So when I was in college, so prior to that movie theater experience, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to spend a part of a year abroad in Paris. And my French mother, Bibiane, taught me a lot about cooking. She was an amazing, she has an amazing cook. She's so amazing that after I left, she started teaching Americans coming to France how to cook. She was featured in uh, Guide Gommio and all these things. It was with her and also right prior to that, because for the first time in my life, I had access to a kitchen that I could, you know, when I moved into the apartments my sophomore year, I had three roommates and we each took a night to cook. And I was more excited about my cookbooks than I was around my textbooks. (laughs) And I would spend more time looking for I remember buying my first cookbook, and it was more like a dictionary. It was like this thick. Every week when it was my turn, I couldn't wait to create something different. But I just I didn't equate that to being a career, even though I'd always worked front of house in restaurants. I'd never once thought about being a you know something around the culinary side, the culinary creation side. So when I went to that movie, and it was um it was a remake of Eat Drink Man, Woman." Anyway, I remember sitting there watching the daughter of Hector Elizondo's character, who was a corporate girl. And she really wanted to work in the restaurant with her dad. And he's like, no, you need to stay in corporate. And I kind of felt the same because I had graduated Penn and I could have gone into tech, which I did, or I could have gone and been a GM at a hotel dining room in the city. And I was heavily pressured to take the tech job. And so I kind of felt this connection with this character, and she finds all of her joy in cooking for her family. And so when I left that theater, I I already knew before I got out of my seat, and I called Scottsdale Culinary Institute from the parking lot and talked to the woman responsible for admissions. And she said to me, you sound different than the people who call to do a tour. So I'm not going to put you on a group tour. I'm going to do a private tour with you. So I met the following week. I went there. And the second I walked in, I, the, the yes, chef, hello, chef, you know, the, the, the formality, the structure, the respect, all of it. It was just evident everywhere you went. And I felt like I had walked home. I really did. And I started a month later. And to this day, it, it was the best experience I had ever had. And I try to bring, when I do teach cooking classes, I try to bring that to the table because there's so much to know and there's so much to understand about the science of it behind it. But more importantly, when you, like for me, even today, after 20 years of cooking, right, professionally, it is what I do to relax. And it's so funny when people are like, no, 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 I don't want you to cook. You do it all the time. I'm like, I don't do it all the time anymore. I'm like, no, 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 please let me. You know, I love this. It still is that for me. But one of the things that was really huge for me around cooking is that in 2007, I was going through a divorce from my first husband and I was teaching cooking classes at the same time. And I would drive up to the school that I was teaching at and I'd be on the phone with my best friend, same one who told me I should sell granola. And so I would be, wah, 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 wah you know, divorce, 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 or a separation, you know, whatever. And then I'd have 14 people sitting in front of me, waiting to be taught. And in, as soon as that class started, I was so present that everything else fades to black, and all I had was pure joy. And so for me, it was a lesson that no matter how hard something gets or seems to be, when you are present, everything else falls off. There's no opportunity for anxiety. There's no opportunity for fear. There's no opportunity for sadness because you're present. And I remember that year like it was yesterday because... In today's world, you know, where I'm spending money that I'm like a, like a drunken sailor who I, I didn't, I'm like, I'm okay, I need to spend $5,000. Do I have $5,000? I don't know. But I have to stay present as far as what is that going to do? And is it going to be, is it the right choice? Is it the right decision? So it's, um, and I, all, I bring it all back to culinary.
2: Well, do you think that that's your dad's love carrying you through
3: i oh, saying sweetheart
2: is okay. Oh, yeah. And could you imagine going through life without finding that purpose? You know, you're so f- fortunate and blessed to be able to, at such a young age, to be able to find something that brings you that kind of joy. And I just believe that we as entrepreneurs, we have a responsibility to give that joy back to the world.
3: You know, it's so funny you say that because I, for the longest time, I never thought of myself as a creative person. I can't draw. I can't sing. Trust me. There's certain, you know, I look at what what is creativity, right? And then when I started cooking and then developing recipes, I'm like, oh, this I can do. And when you see the impact, like one of our core values at Laura's Gourmet is inclusivity. And the reason we have that is because we have nine flavors, all of which are certified gluten-free. So that's one population that doesn't have to worry. We have no dairy in our products. There's another population that doesn't have to worry. We have products without nuts. There's another population. So we try to be as inclusive as possible in our our recipe development, but it's happened by accident also, because what I like to say is this is a chef-driven product that also happens to be good for you, right? Because people say, well, if it's gluten-free, it can't be any good, but that's not true anymore. So anyway, it's so for me, it's like, OK, how do we keep creating product that can do a body good? Right. And not just your taste buds, but your well-being.
1: All right. Um, you are definitely getting heavy. And Laura, you are just on the tip. I can imagine that Emayo has conjured up. 79 million questions regarding several things that you just said. So I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to take a break and a sip because I'll go back to something you said earlier. And then we're going to come back forward to what does it mean to be present in your business and in your life? So we'll get there. So I'm just warning you. You said something earlier and you said, I, I'm bootstrapping right now. And I have. So let's talk about that. So, from the standpoint of what our listeners that are out there saying, you know, what if I can't go get capital from an investor? What if I don't want a strategic investor? And I really want to take this method. Tell them a little reason why you decided to bootstrap your business from then to now. Well,
3: there's two parts to that question because, in all fairness, I am in the process of trying to raise some money. Okay. In 2019, when granola at this point had was 15 years old, um, I had to put a I had to put a stake in the road because I was Chef Laura, growing celebrated cuisine, and I was Granola Girl, growing Laura's gourmet granola. I had a mentor at the time, Larry Goldsmith, who was amazing. I love how people just show up when you need them, right? So he had been mentoring me for about at that point about five, uh, gosh, nine years, and he said. He, all along, focus, 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 you know, rah, 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 rah. like that's all I, like he'd opened his mouth. He might've been saying, how are you? I heard focus, focus, focus. And then he'd say, you cannot do, you cannot do, we cannot do both perfectly. Okay. Let's go to that word you were using before. And so I picked a team and I picked granola and I picked granola because supposedly there was passive income involved. <laughs> Emphasis on the word, supposedly. And so I closed my commercial kitchen for celebrated cuisine. And my facility that I saw a facility I had for granola, I moved to its current location. Uh, and it was a lot bigger, which is a huge leap of faith because it was everything was more, right? More rent, more space, more people, everything. But I knew that I couldn't do both. So you bootstrapped. It. So I was bootstrapping. And okay. I've continued to do that. But now what i've learned is if you really want to take it all the way right and you don't have the your own funding to do that okay and the business can support the business to a certain point but if you really want to take it to the next level and i'm talking i want to triple my revenue in the next couple of years that's significant i can't bootstrap that i have to get financial help so the ways I'm doing that include, I just got my line of credit expanded. So that was a big deal because I don't like, but I, I, I've had one for six years and I've never touched it because I don't like owing money. So that's my own dad's fault, actually, because he instilled that in me. Um, but then on top of that, I understand, though, the benefit of being able to not borrow, but to have people invest in you. And that's the distinction, right? There's borrowing money, which means, okay, you have faith in yourself and you're doing this. But if you do have some kind of investor, that's because they've seen your pitch, they've seen your business model, and they believe in you. And frankly, the last few months where I've been working with a lead angel for some of the investment we're trying to raise has been some of the most educational, inspirational, supportive behavior that I've experienced in a really long time, and it has caused me to think about my business differently, which creates more growth. And so I am not, I am not debt averse like I was, and I I don't know if I want to use the word debt, but I'm not borrowing averse like I was before because it's not borrowing, it's investment. And it makes me, because this is how I roll, and as an entrepreneur, as you know, no one holds you accountable you have to hold yourself accountable. And that's the toughest part of the job. So I kind of like it when I have someone who's like, you know, I need to see what you're, what are you bringing to the table? And we never turn around and do one of these. We never. So for me, going through this process over the last several months has been incredibly motivating to how I want to build the business, how I want to really blow up the business to be chef-driven products, not just granola, not just culinary classes, you know, whatever. So, uh, so yeah, so it's, 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 you know, it's weird to think that there's a possibility and it's all about how you structure it, that someone might own a piece of me, if you will, but it's not me personally. It's my product. It's
1: my brand. Exactly. Exactly. So, so let's talk a little bit about that decision, because when you come from a standpoint of, um, us entrepreneurs, this is my baby. And you decide that you are ready to grow, so you it, it's it's now it's separate from you. It's your brand, and you allow somebody else to be in that to make an investment so that it can grow. Tell me about that shift that happens, or has happened, or is happening, because I, I, I imagine that you're going through all of that right now.
3: Yes, and again, as an entrepreneur, you usually wear all the hats right? And there are several hats I'm still wearing that I'm learning quickly. I am not qualified to wear anymore. Okay. Like we need to dial some things back, but you know, it's like hand the baton over. Right. But I think the, the, the change, the shift is coming where it's, you look at the team that you're building. And so I'm in a place now where my production manager, Chef Germain, you know, he has got it dialed in right? I don't think twice about what's going on from making sure we meet our commitment. Our quality is exactly where it needs to be, et cetera. So he's taken that off my plate and he increasingly comes back to me. is like, what else can I take? What else can I take? Which is amazing. I have another individual in place who's handling all of fulfillment. So again, things that I was doing up until two years ago, I'd be flying out with my husband to Italy. Yeah, we were traveling around Italy and every morning I'm creating invoices and sending them back to U.S., okay, like stuff like that. So I I feel that there is an infrastructure, a tactical infrastructure in place now that, it, that gives me the freedom to really think about growing. And now I'm trying to find the strategic infrastructure to support that as well, knowing that I will not have to wear all the hats. So...
2: Well, you know, that's... Um... One of the things with Angela and I, and I would say is the secret to our success, is that we balance each other. Mm -hmm. I'm the creative one. She is the on point one. I mean, organized, everything is to the point. And it's really important that you find people that you work with that can balance you. Mm -hmm. Because where your strength and your power is, is in the creative mode. When you're creative, when you're in that kitchen, not only recipes come to you, but all kinds of ideas. And that's where your business start to really grow because you build a team around you so that you can have that freedom and that fun to be able to do what you really love and you really enjoy. So as an entrepreneur, and I hear what you're saying about, you got your finances, you got your infrastructure, you got all of those different things that is a part of a big piece of a puzzle. And that is a part of being a business entrepreneur. But when you're in your present and when you're in that kitchen, that's where you're supposed to be. So the, the, the journey is trying to figure out how to get there and be there. Right. Yeah.
3: I agree a thousand percent with that. And I'm a little jealous that you have had partnership from the beginning. <laughs> and it, it, I'm jealous in today's world because I've also never wanted. It's like I had this um, emotional block, if you will, around relying on another person for mutual success. I just, so in Celebrated Cuisine, everybody who worked for me was a contractor. I only, they only worked for me when I had work because of the nature of the business. And that worked out great because I didn't feel pressured to meet a payroll. You know, I got to stay focused on the creative. Mm-hmm. With Granola now, because since we've moved, it's been a little different because I not only have employees, I have, I have like, eight employees, right? And they're reliant for their overhead. You know, it's, it's a different kind of pressure. And one I didn't really originally sign up for. Actually, no, I didn't sign up for it at all when I became a chef. Mm -hmm. And now here I am. And so it's, it's, there are days where I, quite frankly, I just don't want to get out of bed because it's overwhelming. And then you do, and then something amazing happens. And that's the cool part, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get the new whatever. You get an email you weren't expecting. You yeah. know, I, it's just something happens. And it reminds you why you're doing this. Yeah. But I agree. I've, I, and, and my lead angel agrees. He's like, Laura, we need to get you back in the kitchen. We need to get you creating. We need to get you, you know, being the quote unquote hood ornament. That's usually my phrase. You know, in selling the product, selling the brand or whatever the products are. Um, he goes, we need to get all this stuff off your, off your desk.
2: I'm like, yes, please.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's where the joy
1: is.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: That is where the joy is. Laura, it's so funny. I thought I heard you say earlier well, I didn't think I was a creative one. Duh. Right. (laughs) 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 Yes, indeed. You are. All right. So let's talk about that persistence and innovation. So that persistence and creativity, they both go hand in hand. And as an entrepreneur, you, you begin to push those boundaries and you just continue to do that. Tell us a little bit more about your innovation as it relates to being in your, your space, the culinary space, tools, food, et cetera.
3: Okay. So whenever I'm cooking or doing anything around food, I'm interested to see, you can go on any kind of social media now and see hacks of any kind, right? But it's it's, um, but what, but there are certain, th- there are gaps as far as tools are concerned. And I can't talk too much about it because it's not on the market yet, but there is a major gap in the home kitchen. And it also, ex- it's a gap also in the commercial world as well. And it's not even, it doesn't even have to just be culinary. I mean, th- my, the thing I've created is applicable in a variety of things. I remember I went to my husband who had just bought a welder and I said, because it's, it's something that's made of, um, of aluminum. So it's a tool, kitchen tool. I said, I, need, I want one of these. Can you make one? You have a welder. So he went to Home Depot, which is his favorite store. He picked up everything he needed. And he made me my first prototype. At that point, I knew I needed to find a professional <laughs> who could draw CAD drawings and everything. So it's the weirdest thing. When you get inspired to do something, you discover all these different channels to help you. Mm-hmm. And so I went online and I, I don't know what I Googled, but I came across this site called Fiverr and no, I'm sorry, Upwork. And so Upwork is licensed you know, people who are amazing, talented people who are looking for their additional gigs to grow their business. And I found, I put out an RFP about what I needed and I, without being too specific. And I got a, I got several responses. And the one that I loved was not the least expensive to my credit. Thank you. But also he got it because he talked about some things he had built that were adjacent. So he and I worked together for over six months going back and forth on the design. And then he made me a little a 3D print, mm-hmm. like it, but it was third scale. It was, mm-hmm. it was the cutest thing in the world. Anyway, I know it's very confusing because I'm not telling you what the product is, but it's something that everybody needs, especially if you do big holidays, if you like to bake, if you have small children and you cook everyone needs one. So I was all teed up to get everything done. Um, I actually found a a place in China to do the manufacture. And then 2020 happened and not a lot going on with China. So everything got on hold. And it only just restarted to really bring this to market about a month and a half ago. And it was just one of those weird things where, because I've tried to have it made in the US, it's too expensive. It just is flat out too expensive. But then I was on YouTube with my husband watching TV, which I never watched YouTube on like a major TV. But I learned about using Mexico, doing production in Mexico. And they have really great tariff agreements. I mean, it was like, learn, 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 learn. So now I'm actually working with somebody in Mexico to help me find the manufacturer for this, which means I could be two months away from launching my product, which I'm super excited about because our website's set up for it. It's ready to go, you know, um, everything's in place, you know, and I'll figure out the funding later. I mean, seriously, it's like, I know what the money's going to need or what money I will need, but I'll figure it out. But that's like one example. And then on the food world, like I don't want to just be granola girl or, you know, I am chef Laura at the end of the day. I identify with that. And the farther I've gotten away from that over the last five years, um, I feel like I've disconnected from my core. And so the last six, eight months, I've been very focused on trying to do new product development that is either granola adjacent or completely outside the realm of granola. And so I just came back from Fancy Food Show in New York City, and I walked that entire show looking for not, I I was looking to see what people are doing with products, but more importantly, I was looking for singular ingredients that could be used creatively that haven't been used in a way before. So like that to me like like I couldn't it, that was on a monday I couldn't wait to get out of bed you know
2: Well you know what I hear is your greatest wealth is inside of you
3: hmm.
2: the abundance the the source of what you want to manifest is inside of you and the most important thing that I feel like we you have to be take responsibility for is your state of consciousness mm-hmm. how are you feeling
1: mm-hmm. are
2: you happy you know, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? Because your state of consciousness is in direct proportion to what you attract, right?
3: A hundred percent.
2: And so what you have to do is figure out how do you stay present? How do you stay in that space of joy? How do you, because in that space is where your wealth is. That's where abundance is going to come. That's when you're going to manifest. That's when people, situations just like the guy who helped you with your um, granola, you manifested that. So you have that ability to do that, but it got to come from a place of peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And so when you're uptight and when you're under pressure and you're, you're blocking that. So that's what you have to take responsibility for. And that's what all of us as entrepreneurs, you get out of life, not what you want, but what you are and what you are, is what you think and what you feeling is you happy, how you feel in, all of that is very, very important. So that's where the abundance and everything is going to flow from.
3: Hey, um, I would like to take you to work with me every day, <laughs> and then just do like the tap. Like, are we present? Are we manifesting?
2: Here and so, now.
3: Yes, but this is this, but this is an example, right, of uh, someone showing up mm-hmm. and sharing something like that. And now that be that will become part of my daily inner monologue, which will eventually and not it won't take too much time. It will become my external dialogue as well, because. What To me, what you're describing is when you have that type of a, uh, I mean, I, there's, so much, there's so much value in having a mentor, and there's also value in being the mentor, right? Because I have found, like, there's a gentleman who's, who works for this particular radio station who was, uh, he was my mentee during a mentor program. He may have learned stuff from me. I don't know. I hope so. I learned more, I think. The experience was better for me, mm-hmm. you know, having those conversations and I have friends, you know, you, you just have those conversations. The people who work for me have come with situations and I hear myself talking to them and it's in those moments. I'm like, I need to take my own advice mm.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: because it's when you actualize it, right? Yes. And when you, when you speak it, it's actual, it happens. Yes. So and I, I totally, yes, but yeah. you are coming to work with me. Yeah. From now on. I'm sorry, Angela.
1: <laughs> that's okay, Laura. I, I, I share him all the time. And I will tell you, that's really what Phoenix Business Radio X is about. And that's what we are trying to create here at More Details Please with Detail Experts is that community of entrepreneurs where we can definitely tap on each other's shoulder to remind us that being present and here and now is what keeps us going. So those days when it's hard to get out of the bed, like you mentioned, right now, it's like not I can tap back into that. So it's a beautiful thing. And remember, you said you do not mind cooking. Remember you said that.
3: <laughs> when I say mind, I mean it in the best way possible, right? It's like, I, it's like, it's not that I don't mind cooking. It's like, no, let me cook. Like, don't tell me I can't. That's what I mean. So, I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little, I hope my friends are listening to this when I say this, but it's a little frustrating because it's what I do, right? It is so embedded into how I identify myself. And, and I, and that is, like I said earlier, the number one reason that I am pushing myself to create a different product. It's not about being pigeonholed or whatever. It's like, that's, it's what I do. It's, it's, this is, it's, it, it's, um, it's motivating. It it fires me up. I like that, you know.
1: So. Well, just know that your new friends right here and now heard you loud and clear. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right, great. So let's talk about prioritizing persistence and perfection. Hmm. So this is when you give yourself permission to take risks. You try new approaches as you just talked about, and you also learn from the inevitable setbacks because they will happen, they will arise. What lessons have you learned during your recent experience? And talk, uh, make sure you talk a little bit about the expansion into this bigger space. So
3: the expansion into the space, that actually went fairly smoothly, okay? So, you know, Field of Dreams, the movie, if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, I'm in the the throes now of taking on another space, which is just two doors down. And like, I know it's the right thing to do, right? But all I can think of is the rent check I have to write doubling and it freaks me out. It just freaks me out. But I also know I have to do it. So I have to choose being freaked out or doing what's right for the company, right? And even if it's not the company right now, it's definitely the company within the next year and it's almost right next door. So when you think about what that means in terms of logistics alone, it's a big deal right? So it's like, okay, I've already answered that question. So thank you. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So anyway, but so what happened though, so after we moved into that space, so that was a big year because right the summer before we changed our packaging, we said goodbye to the ugly baby. We went to our new package. It was beautiful. I felt more confidence about my product being on a retail shelf outside of Arizona. And just as an aside, a bigger chunk of our business is actually doing what's called food service. So we plot supply all over the country to hotels, restaurants, sports teams, airports, assisted living, hospitals, you know, et cetera, universities. But anyway, on I I got I got more confident about my product being on a shelf. I thought it looked way better than it did. And so we started an expansion with a national retail distributor. And that was the year in 19 that I learned that I don't know how to do retail expansion outside of Arizona at the time, okay? I got, um, I got into a world of trouble because I just took people's word for what it was and we had a real big issue. And it wasn't retail product, it was actually bulk product to go into bulk bins and stuff. This was all throughout 19. I started learning and that learning has continued, by the way, since 19. Um, and I'm still cleaning things up. But I'm to the point now where I am persistent in asking a lot more questions. And I am also really getting good at saying no. So if someone's like, oh, we want you to be on this shelf, I'll be like, no. Well, why not? Well, first of all, you want me to pay for the shelf space and it's an exorbitant amount of money. There is no guarantee we'll be on for this amount of time. And your demographic is not our consumer. So it's okay to say no, but it's cost me a lot of money. I mean, I have probably lost with this one distributor over the last, let's see, this is so four years, I have probably lost over $100,000 in expenses, if you will, we'll just call them that, by virtue of that relationship, at no fault of mine, or my business or my product, but just how the business was structured. So now, like when I was at the fancy food show and I would see someone in their booth and it was a small emerging brand and they said, oh yeah, we're talking to so-and-so. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I gave them my card. I said, I don't charge for this. I would, if you want to just hear about an experience and some things to look out for, I'd be more than happy to share. If I like the product that is. So uh, there were, and so these, you know, I, I, I because I don't want someone else to have that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to write a book about it literally because it's not fair. It's just really not fair. I mean, there's a lot of, of that. So for me, since we've moved into the space, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, our business blew up. In one month, we did more business than we had almost in like the three months prior, but all of it was pretend. It wasn't real only because I, and it was my fault. I mean, at the end of the day, I just shouldn't have just taken someone's word at face value. Without really knowing that person,
2: so. Well, you know, I think life is about filling your way to success. Yeah. Right. It's, yes. It's, you see, we we are all those caterpillars that is in a cocoon that's struggling to become this beautiful butterfly, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is like our goal is to be stronger, and our goal is to grow and learn. Because if we woke up every day and didn't know and had all of the answers to the questions, then what what meaning will life have? Right. Right? So I know for sure, I feel your spirit, your energy, your dad is here in the room with you, and he got you by the hand, mm-hmm. and he's walking with you along this journey. So this journey is a wonderful journey, and I think that you're going to do so much good, and you are doing so much good for so many different people, but it's about failing your way to success and being a person that you are at the end of the day.
3: Thank you. I can totally subscribe to that theory or to that, um, not even theory, to that action. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been a few whoppers out there and shame on us as entrepreneurs if we don't learn from them. Absolutely.
1: It is definitely a lesson and the exciting part about it is if you keep on growing in your business, Stuff is going to happen. Let, let's just say that. But the more and more you learn, you stretch, and that resistance actually becomes your superpower. So it's it, it's a beautiful thing. It's like, oh, let the bumps come,
3: right? But you I know,
1: stronger.
3: you don't want it to. It, it's it. You don't want the experience to taint you either, right? It's exactly. like you know. And for me, I just remember feeling like I massively failed. Okay, that that was very difficult to get get past. But at the same time, instead of just berating myself constantly, it's like, okay, well, just you're not letting that happen again. You know, just you got to move. You got to move forward. There's no, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's your personal life is the same, right? You just, you don't look back on your childhood and just carry all the baggage with you. No, you got, you just, that's back there, right? It doesn't have any, Space. There's, I have no space for that in now. I can't learn new things if I'm carrying around a whole bunch of sadness or badness or baggage.
1: I mean, that's great because you have now wrapped your arms around those situations as they happen. The things that happened in the past, like you said, you didn't let it stop you. No, you didn't let it get in your way. We've had challenges in our business. I mean, husband and wife working in business together, we have challenges in our personal life. But when we look at it in the end, it says, you know what? We've had way more good days than bad. Stuff is going to happen and we can go through it together. And that is the beauty of it. And as you surround yourself with that core nucleus of a team, you have that same benefit and you already have that. Now you're continuing to grow that. That's why from your standpoint, you're like, I got to get back in the kitchen because now you don't feel like you're that one trick pony and you're there. So you can't be here. Right here. Now you want that opportunity to grow to there, that next spot.
3: A hundred percent. And you know, what's interesting too, it's like when you have that experience, how do you, how do you reframe it? for success, right? And so when we started onboarding with another national distributor, my questioning was drastically different, you know, and and now when I have an opportunity to go into a new retailer, I will I I I want to meet directly with the retailer. I don't just let a broker network stand in between. I have to create a relationship. I mean these are it's like nope, if I can't meet with the actual buyer, I don't want to sell my product there. And then I've met with the account team for the distributor. It's like, here's been my past experience. I need you to share with me how this isn't going to happen again. I'm not afraid to have those conversations anymore. Mm-hmm. Or I guess afraid isn't the right word. I now know to have those conversations. I wouldn't yeah. have known that had I had I not gone through that ex- uh, unfortunate experience.
1: You've step, stepped into your power because of those experiences. And every time, that is your learning right there. Mm-hmm. And what you just addressed is persistence cultivates Resilience, which is fantastic, it helps you. De- it helps us develop our mental and emotional fortitude. We overcome challenges and we persevere through those difficult times. And when you think about post-pandemic world, it's totally different. And I'd imagine you have some things to share about that as well.
3: Oh yeah, everything is different. I mean, supply chain is different. Costs of goods are different, you know, um, wages are different, uh, expectations are different, time frames are different. Um, you know, it's it's I I I'm grateful that the consumer has become more educated around what they want and what they what is acceptable. But I feel that I don't know if it's a result of the pandemic or what, but I feel like there's more insulation around people. For me, like I've said a few times, it's like I want to create a relationship. Mm-hmm. So how do you, so I have to figure out how do I get through the installation to make that happen? Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, but on the positive side with the pandemic, I mean, we were always in action in our company. Like we were considered an essential industry because mm-hmm. I mean, we make food. So we never stopped, but it was at one point it, there was, there were three of us left. I mean, cause there just wasn't that much business. And I know people might be thinking, but retail was huge during the pandemic yeah, but we were more a food service company. So when every restaurant is closed, when no one's going to an airport, you're you're not watching your sports teams. There's not a lot of granola going out the door. And so, but it was also a, it was a great opportunity to really get to know my production manager at a different level than I ever would have had, I think. I think those conversations has really set the stage for the team that he is building now. At the end of the day, Cost of votes notwithstanding, there has been way more positive than just regular, I think, as a result. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do it again.
1: Right, right. It's like, clear. I had that experience. I yeah. think I got the learning. Been there, done that. Let's yeah. move on. Exactly. Let's move on. So,
2: well, <laughs> well, one of the things I've learned from you today is that you have the courage to step outside your comfort zone. Mm. And when you step outside your comfort zone, you have been able to um, reincarnate yourself in that you faced those fears. When you walked up to the guy, you said you was like really nervous. You walked up to that guy, you told him about your business and he helped you. And you reincarnated into a new you. Mm. The old you that had those fears was gone. And our lives is about constantly becoming, constantly stepping outside that comfort zone, constantly evolving, constantly becoming a better person. So I just want to congratulate you, and I see that you are going to go very, very far. You're going to do great work with your company. I'm happy to have, have you had you here in our studio, and it's just a joy to hear your journey.
3: Well, thank you, and your pearls of wisdom will be strung around my neck from both of you for a very, <laughs> very, very long time, yes. so thank you very much.
1: Absolutely. Well, know that this is not the last time we will see one another. So let's do your final question. Then we're going to ask, how can our listeners get in touch with you? So finally, if our listeners wait for the perfect moment to get started in a business, they may never do it. They may never get it off the ground. So what would you say to someone who's overly cautious or has trouble moving forward?
3: They need to get out of their own way first and foremost, and then you need to, you know, I would ask them, you know, what, what, if you could say exactly what is stopping you, I would just want to know what is stopping you? Because we're the only people who stop ourselves. So once you know what's stopping you, then you walk around it.
2: Well, for me, one of the things that I do is my why. What is it that give me joy? What is it? What is my purpose? And so when my back is against the wall, things are not going well, what is it that gets me up in the morning and just keep pushing on? And it is serving people. It is um, using my gifts and talents as a means to help make the world a better place. So it really doesn't matter to me because I'm in line with my joy. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, we n- none of us can lose because it's all about having fun and enjoying this journey. That's what when you lose, when you don't do that, when you stay beat. Stay stuck in your fear, fears <throat> fear, and not stepping out. So that's my why. And that's what keeps me going and keeps me getting
3: going. So quick question on that. And I I know I don't have a lot of time, mm-hmm. but if someone wants to get going, but they haven't started yet. Yes. Wouldn't I wouldn't you want to ask the question, does is this the right thing? Is this what maybe you're stopping yourself because this isn't the right. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. asking, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So I never thought twice around starting Celebrated Cuisine. I didn't think twice about starting Laura's Gourmet. I'm not thinking twice about my culinary tool. You know, it's like these are all, they're all risks, right? I guess at the end of the day, you're not going to make everybody happy, but you do have the opportunity to make yourself happy.
1: That's (laughs) right. And And and, and that should be uno number
3: one. (laughs) Well, yeah, because no, it's your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so if your energy, I mean, I don't want to transfer. I don't want, if you were, I mean, like you can transfer all your energy to me that you want because it is a very joyful energy mm-hmm. but there are people in this world that just want to transfer their chunk yes. onto you yeah so
1: that's right and then you have to put your cape on and it just deflects yes all right so i'm going to share a quote that's been inspiring and then laura we're going to ask how can our listeners get in touch with you so nothing in the world can take the place of persistence talent will not nothing is more common. Than an unsuccessful man with talent. Genius will not, unrewarded genius is always a proverb. Education will not, the world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Now, Kevin Coolidge said that. And when you take all of that in, we persist. And that's why we continue to excel. And that's exactly what I heard from you today, Laura. So with that, how can our guests get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach you? So
3: probably the best way would be via email would be number one. we have a website, obviously, which is laurasgourmet.com. And there's plenty of contact us on that. Or you can just email us. You can email the, the company at hello at laurasgourmet.com. Or you can email me directly at cheflaura at laurasgourmet.com. Um, And that's probably the best because I, in this day and age with phones and everything, if you, texting is fine, but the email doesn't get lost. (laughs) Everything else, not that I lose things. I'm not that kind of entrepreneur, but it's just, uh, that would be a number one email.
1: Fantastic. Well, luckily we have the inside scoop and we'll make sure that yes, all our listeners can reach you via email and we will definitely stay in touch. So you've been listening to More Details Please on Business Radio X. This podcast is brought to you by Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company that saves the planet one franchise at a time. So next time, we're Angela.
2: And Emmanuel Williams.
1: And thank you so much, Laura, for coming in today. Thank you very much. It was a pl- It was absolutely a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to More Details Please. Presented by Emmanuel and Angela Williams from Detail Experts, the mobile steam cleaning company dedicated to protecting the planet. Be sure to subscribe to more details, please, on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook at Detail Experts and visit DetailExperts.net. That's D-E-T-A-I-L-X-B-E-R-T-S that meant. We hope you've gained some valuable insights from our conversations today. Stay driven by curiosity, and we'll bring you more details next time.